Well, it's a joy to welcome you today to Graceway Baptist Church for the last Sunday School lesson of 2022. Boy, this year has flown by, hasn't it? And uh, now we're finishing it up, and my prayer is that we are finishing uh, well. We're going to finish, but the main thing is to finish well. And it's been a good year, and uh, I'm so thankful for you and your part in it. And thank you for tuning in today, by the way. And you're always welcome here. And we're looking at our Sunday School lesson for December the 18th. Uh, the next Sunday will be uh, Christmas Day, and we're not having Sunday School that morning. And it's kind of a, a tradition over the years I've been here when we have uh, Christmas on Sunday. We give families time to do some of their things, opening gifts or whatever the traditions they might have. And to have a little bit more uh, time to get ready for church. And then we come together and we always have a great celebration and we enjoy it so much. And people are happy and lighthearted and we celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ here and we have that one service at 10.15, so um, make sure everybody understands that. No evening service on that day, and uh, we'll just enjoy that time together. Now, we've been talking about the discipline of the Lord and what God is doing for us. We said that it's tied together with His mercy, and it's also tied, we looked at last week, with His correction. It's not enough that He just wants to wear us out and make us pay and hurt and all of that. He wants to correct us. He wants to fix what is broken and what is wrong in our life and to cause us to hate sin and to love Him and to walk a straight path. But it also is for the glory of God. And I think this is one of those things that we kind of forget about. I think we all know it. I mean, I think if I were to ask you, you would know that. But I wonder if I said... The purpose of discipline in your life is blank. Would you think the glory of God? And I, I'm not sure that we do that, even though we know it. And yet it is a supreme thing. The Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The Apostle Paul said, Therefore, whatever you eat or whether you drink, whatever you do, do all things to the glory of God. And, and, and when he puts it that way, eating or drinking, those are the things that we do every single day, right? And so the most mundane things of life, the things we have, how many, I mean, how many times do you just take a bottle of water, open it and take a swig out of it, maybe two or three, and, and then put the cat back on it and hang on to it till you're thirsty again, then you take... Uh, the Bible says we're supposed to even do that to the glory of God. How often do you just stop by a vending machine and uh, maybe get a candy bar or something like that and you open it up and you just start eating it? Now, I'm not saying you have to say grace over those each one of those kind of things. I'm not talking about a legalistic thing here. But when the Bible says eating or drinking, it's talking about the basic necessities of life. And then when he says, and whatever you do, uh, that would mean that um, our hearts beat, for example, for the glory of God. Have you ever thought about that? Your brain functions for the glory of God. Your eyes see, your ears hear for the glory of God. All of that is working that you breathe for the glory of God. Every breath is a gift from God. And I think the idea there is we are supposed to be conscious of God in everything that we do. 
to step outside and to go, oh Lord, what a beautiful day. Thank you for air to breathe. Thank you for gravity that holds me down to the ground. Uh, thank you for the change in the seasons that remind me that you're in control of this, not just random chance. And I mean, we could go on and on to give glory to God and uh, think of all the ways in the scripture where giving glory to God is just flat out listed in there and that's the way we're supposed to live. But we don't. And that is sin. And it may be an unintentional sin, but nonetheless it is a sin. And so one of the reasons that God disciplines us to get us focused off of ourselves, to get us focused off of evil and wickedness and, and sin. Um, he does that through the discipline that we might learn to honor Him or to glorify Him. That's what we're going to look at today. Got your Bible? Turn to Daniel 9, 16 through 19. And let's look at these three verses. And let's think about that um, when Jesus gave us the model prayer, how does it start? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. If you want to be really King James, hallowed be thy name, right? But to hallow something is to make it holy. To make it holy. Think about how many times you watched television or movies this past week and you heard God's name used in vain. Think about how many times that happened. You heard God's name drugged through the mud at school or at work or in your neighborhood or wherever you might be. It's everywhere. And we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to hallow the name of the Lord. We're not supposed to use it. The word vain means empty, mindless, or thoughtless. So every time, you know, you, you can, oh Lord, oh God, I can't believe that happened. That's using the Lord's name in vain. Okay? We ought not do that. Weed that out of your vocabulary. It's not a bad habit. It's sinful. And God's name should be exalted, lifted up, holy. And uh, that's the way the Lord's prayer starts. And it also, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Uh, it's like the whole prayer is reminding us this is about God's glory, not just what you want. My grandkids coming over to our house, they have... Uh, little catalogs that they get out and then they go and they circle what they want for Christmas and they'll put their initials by it or something like that. And I think sometimes people think prayer is like that. It's the Sears wish book, if you're from my generation, where we go through and we say, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want, this is what I want. You better get it here in a timely manner. There you go. That's my order. <clears throat> God's not Amazon. And uh, we, we don't treat him like that. His name is to be hallowed and it's all about his kingdom, power and glory forever. And that's what Daniel understood in all of this. Daniel's primary concern in this prayer is God's reputation. And when you truly desire this, then you'll be lined up with the will of God. 1 John chapter 5, 14 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything, look at this phrase, according to His will, He hears us. Well, what is His will? His will is that He be glorified. So when we 
talk to the Lord about situations and problems and troubles and people and needs and things that we want and things that we ask for. When we line them up with His glory, then those prayers get answered. When we ask for them selfishly, carnally, in a fleshly way, well then, of course, they don't get answered. And thank God for unanswered prayers, right? A lot of them are very good that He didn't answer the way we wanted them to. And so... uh, Aim your life at His glory, at the glory of God. That ought to be the focus uh, of everything in our life. So let's go to our text, Daniel 9, 16. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, that's where the temple's at, Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, our ancestors, Jerusalem and your people, now look at this, are a reproach to all those around us. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications, our request, our prayerful request, before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of, our, of your great mercies, O Lord. Hear, O Lord. Forgive, O Lord. Listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. So you see the cry of Daniel's heart is, Lord, because of our sins, we've made a mockery of you. Because of our sins, your city is in ruins and your people are scattered. Oh, Lord, act for your sake so that people will see how great you are, how wonderful you are, how powerful you are, and how righteous you are. Can you imagine if our prayers had that same kind of focus and that same kind of passion? And I'm not saying you can't ask for things, but when you ask for someone to be healed, if it's just simply because you don't want to hurt and you don't want to grieve when they die, that's a little short-sighted. It's valid because that's what we're going to do, but it's short-sighted. Oh Lord, for the glory of your name, would you heal this person? Now that's a little different. Whenever there's something we need, Lord, you know I need a new car. I'm tired of running around in this rattle trap and people are laughing at me at stoplights and I'd really like to have something cool and better, Lord. Uh, Would you provide that for me? Okay. Valid, I guess, in some degree. Uh, I think Dave Ramsey is the one that says we Americans spend so much money on vehicles to impress people at stoplights that we'll never see again. That's kind of funny, And it's kind of true, isn't it? We want to be well thought of and we want to be cool and we want to be envied and all of that. I don't think God is real interested in answering those kind of prayers. But Lord, I have a need. And for the glory of your name, who promised to meet all of my needs, I pray you would do this. And uh, that makes it a little bit different. And just think about how many times... The selfish thing kind of, well, it's in, our, it's in our genes. It's in our DNA. I mean, we're born that way. And that kind of creeps into even some things that we ask, even things that might be considered righteous or godly. It's uh, real interesting 
to uh, examine the motives of some of the things we pray for. And uh, so, I mean, if, if I pray, dear Lord, this next Sunday when I preach, I pray we'd have a great crowd to preach to. Now, that could be valid or that could be extremely selfish, couldn't it? And uh, that's where I have to have the Lord examine my heart and uh, we have to make sure that that is for the glory of the Lord and for people to be saved and people to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord, not just for my own ego, for example. And you do the same things. That stuff just creeps in so quickly and so easily. Now, understand that Daniel has a confession here, okay? And it's kind of a his versus ours in uh, verse 16. Notice, notice the difference. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, that's the Lord, your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury, and because God is righteous, Daniel is saying that that anger and fury is perfectly justified, let it be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, and your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. So there's your righteousness, your anger, your fury, your city, your holy mountain, all very important things. And it's our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, our relatives, our ancestors that led up everything to this point. So Daniel is wise enough to see the difference between us and God. He doesn't blur it. He doesn't make it to where, uh, you know, in the model prayer, uh, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we get that all mixed up. We think that prayer is about getting our will done in heaven the way we want it on earth. And so uh, we're always trying to push that and always trying to sneak that in somehow. And so we've got to be careful because the things about us are sinful and they're unrighteous, but God is always righteous. And prayer is more not moving God's heart to see my point of view, but through that, my heart being moved to see things from God's point of view or God's perspective, and that makes all the difference in the world. So number two, the sad result. Your people are a reproach to all those around us. Your people that should be glorifying you, they're a reproach. And so they became a reproach. And the word reproach means to have shame or to taunt or be the object of scorn. And so all of the Gentiles around there, they're taunting the people of God. Do you remember that psalm where it says, um, by the rivers of Babylon uh, we sat down and yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. And then as you read on in that psalm, it says that the Gentiles were saying, play to us one of the Lord's songs. Now they didn't mean that because they wanted to worship the Lord. That was a taunt. Hey, all those songs about how great your God is, sing one of those now that you're our slaves in Babylon. Yeah, sing that again. Yeah, that was cute. That was, that was good. And uh, that's what was happening. And they were an object of derision reproach and scorn and all of that. And they were supposed to give glory to God among the nations. Most people don't realize that Israel was supposed to be a missionary nation to the Gentiles. Isaiah 42, 6. I am the Lord. 
I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. A light for the nations. You know, Israel never really did do that, did they? Oh yeah, they had a testimony before the nations, a bad testimony. You know, the truth of the matter is everybody's got a testimony. It's either a good one for the glory of God or it's a bad one. And it's a reproach before the Lord. And Israel had become, instead of light to the nations, they were a reproach to God. And uh, that was not a good testimony and that was not the intended result. So the Lord had to discipline them. So a reproach is opposite of being a light. And uh, notice that they were to be a light to those all around us. And they had become a reproach instead to those all around us, meaning the, the pagan nations around them. Okay? Number three, the glory of God. To what was Daniel appealing in his prayer? Well, this is a key thing. To what was Daniel appealing in his prayer? Oh Lord, please let us out of this because we've learned our lesson. Because we're good people. Because we have suffered enough. It wasn't anything like that, was it? Verse 17, Now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake cause your face to shine on your sanctuary which is desolate. For the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, His cause, His plan, for His glory. In other words, okay? For the Lord's sake. And too often we make our plea to the Lord in a self-centered way. We've already uh, talked about that. And uh, we kind of get to the point to where we think it really is all about us. Um, I did a study one time through the book of Ezekiel. And it's amazing how many times God made it really clear. I put you back in the land, but I didn't do it for you. You didn't deserve it. I did it for the sake of my name. You're making me look bad instead of glorifying me, instead of the nations turning to me, instead of the nations seeing my power, my might, my love, and my mercy and my justice. Uh, all they're seeing is my anger and my fury. And all they're seeing is what they perceive to be weakness instead of strength. And this isn't a good thing at all. And so the Lord is, uh, Daniel is saying, I'm praying this for your sake, Lord. Now, isn't it true that whenever we have people that we really love, especially in our families, that we have this tendency to talk frankly, honestly, um, truthfully, about them and sometimes we may say something like uh, man my brother I tell you what his problem is he's just lazy just lazy you know and 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 people you know maybe some other family members yeah boy that really is true he really does you know he he considers work a four-letter word and he can just crawl up beside it and take a nap he doesn't have any sense of ambition or urgency or anything and you may talk about that for a while and everybody agrees okay but then you are in Walmart and somebody comes up to you and they say, uh, aren't you so-and-so's brother? And you go, yeah, I sure am. And they go, man, he's the laziest bum I've ever seen in my life. 
And uh, what do you do? Um, punch them? Glare at them? Stop them? Rebuke them? Jump down their throat? What, what do you do? Something like that. It's, it's the kind of thing in family to where you can talk about, um, I can talk about them, but you better not. Nobody else better do it. Isn't that kind of the way it works? And what was happening here is all the people, all of the nations around Israel, all they were doing is hearing all of the bad stuff, and then they started using it to taunt and to scorn, and it became a reproach then to Israel, so that God says, wait a minute, I can say that, but you can't. I can deal with this because they're my people and I love them and they're called by my name, but you can't. And so the nations were furthering their paganism and furthering their immorality and using Israel as an excuse for it. And God said, no, I'm acting for my sake because everywhere you have gone under my discipline, I am profaned. You know what profanity is? It is, uh, well, we call it cussing. And it's the idea that we take something that is holy and we just kind of spit on it and we trample it. We wipe our noses with it. And uh, it just is common, no big deal. It's just profane. And God said, you have taken me and you have profaned me among the nations. All of the nations, in other words, they don't see me as any big deal because of you. Boy, that is a... Strong warning for modern day Christians. We're supposed to live so that God is exalted, not that he is profane. That's why we have to aim at his glory. And so the Lord acts for his sake. Look at that sometime in Ezekiel and start reading through there and marking all of those. It'll humble you. Number four, God's glory is supreme. And he says in verse 18, O oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies, O Lord. Hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Oh, Lord, we're called by your name. Everybody knows that I'm your child. And now, because I'm under divine discipline here, then what happens? You look bad, and I'm a bad advertisement, so I'm appealing for the glory of your name. Let this be taken away and restore the nation after these 70 years. Why didn't he pray this sooner? Because he knew that once God sets judgment in motion, he didn't turn back. He had said, you're going to be exiled for 70 years. That was a done deal. But now the 70 years is all over and Daniel is saying, Oh Lord, it's in your heart now to end this and to restore it. And I'm lining my heart up with you. Do it, Lord, for your sake and show your mighty power just like you did when you brought our people out of Egypt into freedom. You see it? And so uh, we've got to learn to pray this way. We've got to learn to think this way. And we've got to learn to act this way. When we aim at God's glory, we are aligned with his will. And that's the way we're supposed to live, aren't we? What is the will of God? Well, 
The will of God, obviously, is for you to be saved or you wouldn't be saved. Okay? The will of God is for you to be spirit-filled. It says that you're not to be drunk with wine, but you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says that this is the will of God, right? It's the will of God that we should suffer for His sake. Uh, Peter writes about that and says that if it's the will of God for you to suffer, then suffer not as an evildoer, as a thief, but for the glory of God. I mean, we look at verses like that in the Bible and we can see clearly what the will of God is. And our problem is we say, well, I want to know what the will of God is about me and something that I want or something that I'm thinking about or something that I want to do. Well, here's the thing. And I think John MacArthur is right. If you will obey what the Bible clearly reveals is His will, then you can do whatever you want. Because if you are saved and spirit-filled and you are suffering for His sake and you are submissive and you're thankful in all things, I think I got all of them, there may be another one, um, then what happens? I, he's controlling my wants. He's controlling my desires. He's controlling my actions. We just focus on the wrong things and we want to figure out what our will is before we actually do His will and we're frustrated because we're trying to get God to do our will when we're never ever called for that to happen. So when we aim at God's glory, that aligns us with His will. And Daniel was more concerned with the reputation of God than he was patriotism, his love for his country, his own needs. And, and notice in here, he doesn't say anything about himself other than to identify with sinners. But uh, man, Daniel, did he maybe want to go back to Jerusalem and see where he was born and see his homeland? I don't know. But he doesn't mention that because it's more important to him for God to be glorified. And uh, just even the convenience of daily life, so much of what we pray about are not about necessities or anything like that anyway. They're about our own conveniences and getting rid of frustration out of our life, that type of thing. Glory of God, that's where we need to be. So consider uh, these verses about the reason that God brought the exile to an end. And this is what I was telling you about that I'd studied in Ezekiel. These aren't all of them. Ezekiel 20, 44. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Israel needed to know that as much as the pagans did. That's why they were worshiping idols. They didn't really believe it. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have dealt with you for my name's sake, not according to your wicked ways, nor according to your corrupt doings, O house of Israel, says the Lord. Now that's important because he had dealt with them uh, on the basis of their sins, he would have wiped them out. But he didn't. He did it on the basis of who he is and his love and his mercy and his promises to Israel. And so thus they were spared. See, it's not a bad thing when God does things for his sake, is it? That's what spared Israel. Ezekiel 36, 22. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. See, we talked about that. Ezekiel 36, 32. Not for your sake do I do this, says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O 
house of Israel. And Ezekiel 36, 19 through 21. So I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. <coughs> the punishment fit the crime. In other words, the discipline was appropriate. Verse 20. And when they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name when they said of them, the pagans said of them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. Almost you can add a ha, 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 ha. And here's God speaking again, verse 21. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. And that's what spurred him to action. That ought to be a corrective for all of us. We are to live for His glory and the glory of His name. Not just to make it through the day, not just to amass everything that we want, not just to have a convenient, comfortable, pleasurable life, but to live so that He is known and He is glorified, so that we know Him and we make Him known in all of His glory and in all of His splendor. Let's conclude. Everything that God does is for His glory. And when He is glorified, we see His nature and His attributes more clearly. And when He is glorified, we trust Him and we depend upon Him more. Falling short of His glory does the opposite and is defined as sin in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But here, think about this. It's Christmas. Even in the incarnation, it's about the glory of God being revealed rather than being focused upon us. We benefit, of course, yet we are not the object of it. The glory of God is. And in Luke 2, 8 through 14, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord, there it is, shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Everything Christ did and the reason for His coming was for the glory of His Father. Let's do the same. And uh, this lesson, December 18th, please remember, remind people that in the evening service we're having our candlelight Lord's Supper where we're going to be reminded why Christ came. And even when Christ was on the cross, with all due respect to all of the songs that talk about how the Lord was thinking about us, I believe He had His mind on the glory of the Father, fulfilling His Father's will, and above all, accomplishing the will of the Father and glorifying Him. And that's why our redemption is secure. So think about that this Christmas. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for watching. 
and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you. We won't see you next week, uh, but at the first of the year, we'll kick everything off again. And may you have a Merry Christmas, and may you have a wonderful, joyous, happy, God-honoring 2023. Thank you.